Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This friendly Mother's Day reminder is brought to you by 1-800-Flowers.com. Mother's Day is this Sunday. You don't have time to put this off any longer. Head to 1-800-Flowers.com right now. 1-800-Flowers has amazing deals on last-minute Mother's Day gifts. From bouquets to sweet surprises, mom deserves the best. Order your gift from 1-800-Flowers before time runs out. To order today, go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash ACAST. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash ACAST. Hey, book lovers. My name is M, and I want to talk about books. And cats. Hey, book lovers. It was recently my birthday, and honestly, it was the best one yet. I am already so enjoying my 40s. (laughs) Anyway, this week, I'm going to talk about the book that I got free for my birthday from Book of the Month. A definite perk, let me tell you. (laughs) Anyway, today I want to talk about What the Fireflies Knew by Kai Harris. What a gorgeous book this was. It was definitely a one-day read, and I cried a couple of times while reading it. My oldest son actually caught me just, like, sobbing over the book at one point, but that's not really anything new for my family. They're used to seeing me cry over books. Good books move me. What can I say? (laughs) This one had some really heavy topics, but the story is told from the point of view of an 11-year-old girl. And she's not entirely certain what is going on because no one is telling her the whole truth. Because she's a kid, you know? The book takes place during the summer in the 90s, 1995. Our narrator, KB, her older sister, Naya, and their mom have been through a lot. The girl's dad passed away suddenly, and they lost their house in Detroit. They spent some time living in a motel, but now the girls are spending the summer with their granddad in Lansing, a more rural area where there is true quiet and big fields with trees to climb. And at night, tons of fireflies. Now, the girls are not aware that their mom isn't staying. She drops them off and leaves without explaining where she is going, why, or when she'll be back. And this is absolutely devastating to the girls who just lost their dad and now are facing, you know, living for at least the summer with essentially a stranger. They've never met their granddad before, And he looks very stern, and he doesn't really speak to them at first. He does slowly warm up to KB, and she is able to get some tidbits of information from him. She finds out that her mom is at a treatment center for depression, and she gets some pieces of the trouble between her mom and her granddad. He also warns her not to befriend the white kids down the street, even though they're right around her age. KB has very little concept of racism, but her granddad has been through it. And he knows the woman down the street will never accept her children befriending a black girl. Of course, KB ends up almost immediately befriending the kids. 
She doesn't really understand what's going on. Things just get a bit awkward and confusing from time to time until she encounters their mom. And this is just a side story. KB is searching for the meaning of family and for understanding of why things have gone the way they did. She's trying to reconnect with her sister because Naya is dealing with her grief in her own way. And at 14, she has no interest in hanging out with her little sister. On top of it all, she is also trying to mend the relationship between her granddad and her mom, which is far more than any little girl should try to take on, especially when she doesn't have all the information. There is so much going on in this story. There's grief and loss, the complexities of families, generational trauma, puberty, growing up, sisterhood, friendship, racism, assault, drug abuse, death, forgiveness— There's so many things, and everything is being experienced by this sweet, curious, intelligent little girl. This book has so much heart, the descriptions are so well-crafted, and the story is so sweet and heart-wrenching and just every kind of emotion. It's just a picture of life. And KB is the best narrator. I absolutely love an inquisitive little girl with a fierce attitude. And she is that and more. (laughs) So I highly, highly recommend reading What the Fireflies Knew by Kai Harris. It's an incredible book. So glad I picked it for my birthday book. (laughs) All right, so now we're going to take a quick break. And then I also have a new chapter of Heart of the Storm. Be right back. Welcome back, book lovers. It is time for a new chapter of Heart of the Storm. I actually recently had a burst of inspiration, and I have finished the first draft of the book. I am going to keep doing the chapters, but I am also currently beginning to tear it apart for the very first edit. This is when things get difficult for me. (laughs) Anyway, here is chapter 42 of Heart of the Storm. Martina clung to Harper's hand as the wind whipped them in sickening circles around in the darkness. Her wings had tried to fight it for just a moment. Even though they felt as if they had always been a part of her, they were just not strong enough. She forced herself to let go and try to go with the will of the wind. They were moving downward. They were spinning fast, but the descent was slow. The well seemed to narrow at the base, and they skimmed the walls as they neared the bottom. Finally, the circling slowed, and they touched down on the stone bottom of the well. Harper rolled to a stop, and Martina hovered until she regained her composure. They finally released their hands. Harper coughed. She stretched her long neck, which seemed to have doubled in length. Her throat burned when she tried to talk. Thank you for coming with me. I was afraid to go alone. Sure, Martina said unconvincingly. What happens now? Harper gave a low, growly laugh. That's up to you. I would love to have you stay until the end, but I know that is asking a lot. We do not know each other, after all. You are free to fly away whenever you choose. You have more than fulfilled your duties. Thank you for that. Martina cast her gaze up the length of the well. The very faintest spot of light marked the top of it. It would be a long flight, and she wasn't certain she would make it. I'll stay. What do you need? Harper looked surprised, as much as she could in her ever-evolving form. Really? 
well, I guess I just need some support for when I meet my mom. Things might get intense. She tried to spread her limbs in a shrug. One more chance to leave. No hard feelings. Martina laughed and hovered up to her new friend's face. I said I'm staying. I like you. And I don't have anything else left. You know? Harper nodded slowly and solemnly. A movement of her extended trunk. Martina perched on her shoulder. Harper's transformation was progressing rapidly. What's happening to you? Martina gazed around. You've changed a lot already. Harper sighed. The sound was low and went on for some time. Martina could feel it vibrating the wood beneath her. Harper was growing more and more tree-like by the minute. I have always known, she began in a breathy voice. Each word seemed to be a struggle. That I was only ever meant as a sacrifice. A strange woman told me when I was young, I didn't fully understand until recently. I hate it, but I know it must be done. I just wish there was another way. Martina started to ask a question, but she fell silent when the water came rushing into the silo. The sound was thunderous, but Martina could hear Harper's voice clearly. She seemed to be tapped into Martina's mind. It made the girl uncomfortable for a brief moment, and then the water hit Harper's chair and rocked them backward. Martina flew off her perch on Harper's shoulder and caught herself just before she slammed into the wall. The water sloshed over her toes before she curved upward and flew higher to escape the rising water. Keep going, Harper's voice encouraged. Don't look down. Fly. Swiftly. Rhea and Nim will need you. The voice wavered away as the water rose up over the level of Harper's face. Her long forehead stretched skyward, but Martina was almost clear of her. She kept her eyes turned to the sky, and she flew as hard as she could, with these new wings that felt like they had been hers forever. Harper knew she could breathe underwater, but she still felt a moment of panic when it went over her face. Martina was gone, hopefully safe and flying to the others. Harper couldn't worry about her, but she did appreciate the girl's easygoing manner. It made her forget for a moment what was about to happen. As she opened her eyes under the water and adjusted, she scanned the well for her mother. Thea was here. She could feel it. It buzzed through her like a constant tremor of anticipation. Maybe a little fear. A dark, swirling mess of serpents and weeds approached. They floated directly to her, as the snakes fought and became even more entangled. The mass was leaking clouds of black ink into the water. They reached out in wispy tendrils and stroked Harper's long, smooth face. The touch burned, and Harper screamed. The sound formed a bubble in front of her and floated away. The smoke and snakes grew and elongated and took on the form of a beautiful, dark-haired woman a face Harper knew from her nightmares. Hello, daughter, Thea said smoothly. What a mess you have made for me. She smiled and showed her sharp, dangerous teeth. She brought her fingers together in a pinched shape. Her long, talon-like nails were the color of a moonless night, 
With a cry, she drew her hand back and then drove her nails into the wooden trunk of her daughter's body. Harper screamed, and the sound floated away, silently. Thea was yanked away from Harper a moment later, but the first blood had been drawn. It seeped from the gash in the girl's long, swaying trunk. The withered crone, for Harper could now see her mother's true, rancid form, was clawing at the water, drawing a thin trail of the girl's blood to her, absorbing her power. A silver serpent slithered around Thea and bound her arms to her sides. The snake squeezed her. The pressure built until Thea had to react. She thrashed and gnashed her teeth. They snagged the silvery skin and tore away a chunk of flesh. The ghoul let out a ghastly shriek and loosened its grip for just a moment. Thea's reaction was swift and vicious. Her body grew rapidly, pressing against the silvery serpent until it burst in a shower of sparkles and screams. She lunged at Harper, scrabbling up her trunk and heading for her eyes. Her claws scratched at her, and Harper could do nothing to pull away. Her body was widening, and she had already lost most of her mobility. She squeezed her eyes shut as her mother neared her face and waited for the attack. Martina rode the current of air at the top of the well. She circled Lazalt and Allie, who huddled in the strong wind, watching as the water rose rapidly. She only paused for a moment. She already knew what she was going to do. What she had to do. She had given her word. Lazalt heard her thoughts. He understood her intentions. And while it pained him that he would most likely lose his newfound sister, he understood she would not be deterred. They locked eyes, and he nodded and raised his hand. She slapped his hand as she dove for the dark, churning waters. In that brief contact, Lazalt gave her all the power he could muster. It passed through the twins like a bolt of lightning, and the water sizzled as she plunged into its depths. As she dove deeper into the darkness, there was a sudden flash of silver, and a horrifying scream rippled up to her from below. The sound rocked her, and she hesitated. But only for a moment. Harper was in trouble. Her new friend swayed in the water, trying to pull away from the dark, insect-looking woman climbing her trunk. Martina paused near Harper's eyes. Help. Me. She groaned. Martina nodded and dove deeper. She hit the ghastly woman with the full force of her power. She was fatigued, but it was enough to knock the woman from Harper and send her reeling back into the dark waters swirling around them. The water was beginning to circle Harper. Her transformation was almost complete. A tall, slender tree stood solidly in the churning waters. Now it was all moving together, counterclockwise, turning back Thea's damaging powers. Harper was taking control. There was a loud rumbling and the waters bubbled. Martina was making her way back to the surface. The sounds below her made her move even faster. Her wings helped her fight the strong current, but she was still circling the well. The water was lifting her, carrying her upward to the others. She held up her arms as the surface grew closer, and Lazalt snagged her. With Allie's help, he pulled her over the edge and back into the air. Martina jumped to her feet and shook herself. Droplets of water flew from her wings, and she buzzed quickly across the room and back. It felt so good to fly without the resistance of water. Martina. Below her, 
Lizelle's face was irritated, but Allie looked up at her with a face full of concern. Martina flew back down to them with a sigh. Sorry, I just had to escape. The wait? She was breathless and felt ill. She dropped down to the ground and knelt. Her head was spinning. Allie's arms slid under her, and she lowered Martina to the cold cement. It felt good. Martina's skin was burning. She groaned and her eyes rolled back. Her body began convulsing, and Lizalt held her down. Otherwise, she would become airborne. And if she fell back into the well... Allie slipped a woven bracelet from her wrist. It was made from knotted twine of varying colors, with a single thread of gold running through the center. The gold glittered and shone. It flashed when Allie slid it onto Martina's wrist. The bracelet grew brighter and brighter, until it burst into a ball of golden glitter and flames. Martina cried out in pain as Allie slapped away the flames around her wrist. Lazalt glared at Allie, but then Martina sighed, and her body stilled. Her skin was sweaty, but cool. Whoa, Lazalt said with admiration. That was... His voice trailed off, but he was grinning. He reached out and took Allie's hand. She smiled at him, and he gave her hand a squeeze. Then the mountain began to rumble and shake from deep below. The walls trembled, and large chunks of stone came crashing down all around them. Allie screamed and pulled away. Lazalt shot up into the air, pulling Martina along behind him. He swooped down and grabbed Allie. He threw her over his shoulder and began to fly upward, dodging the falling stones. Lazalt, I'm fine. Let go. Martina was still a little groggy, but she knew he was straining under the weight of them both, and she felt clear enough to carry herself. He didn't need to look at her. He knew she was okay and released her. They zipped through the rocks and burst into the open sky above. Martina followed him, and they swerved to the left. After they had moved a safe distance away, they turned and hovered, watching as the top of the mountain completely gave way. And that is the end of Chapter 42, book lovers. I hope you're still enjoying Heart of the Storm. Please be sure to check out all things Books and Cats at booksandcatspod.com. That's books, the letter N, catspod.com. You can find all my books, merch, and every episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, book lovers. And until next time, keep reading. Go, 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 go